Hello and welcome to It's a Gundam, the internet's best episode-by-episode Gundam Seed podcast that finished Gundam Build Fighters and decided to tackle the next real Gundam series. My name is Jeremy. I'm a leopard falling out of a tree for no apparent reason. I'm Tyler. My name is Nori-chan. Today, we are watching episode three of Gundam Rekongista in G, The Pressure of Montero. It's just got the pressure ability from Pokemon, Tyler. Oh, that makes sense. So every time you shoot your beam rifle, it takes two shots instead of one. Exactly. Okay. Is that what pressure does? Yeah, it makes you use two PP every time you use a move. So it's like really bad for like stall tactics or like high value moves. Like oh, hydro I never pump. knew what it did. Did you just call hydro pump a high value move? Well, okay. Uh, low PP move. Yes. Um, okay. Some people prefer hydro pump to surf. I'm not one of them. I'm pretty On sure those Starmie. people are wrong. Okay, it depends on what niche you're using your Pokemon for. There are cases where Hydro Pump is the better move because it okays certain things that Surf would not, and you need to oko those things more than you need the consistency of Surf. Exactly. So you're willing to take a risk in order... But, Fair. But Hydro Pump is always a choice. Um, and frequently it is the wrong choice. Unless you know exactly what you're doing with it. Like, it's the same thing with Ice Beam and Blizzard, right? Blizzard has the caveat, though, of in hail slash snow, you yeah. get 100% accuracy. So if you have a hail team, uh, same with Rain and Thunder, right? Yeah. So. And also, Thunder in any meta where Kyogre is legal, because your opponent's going to have Kyogre, so you don't even need to set up the rain. <laughs> Odds are one of you will have two Kyogre. So anyway, yeah, G-Reco. The story so far is Belry's Genki and has a crush <laughs> on a pirate lady whose name is Ida, and also Naredo Nug is there, and her friend Manny, and their... Adoptee? Their adopted daughter, Raraya. <laughs> they're, uh, they're all cheerleaders together, the they, three of them. There's also uh, the, older, the older but same class member, Luin Lee. Yes, he's much more mature. Some of them are Kintalas, question mark. <laughs> what this means, we do not know yet. Also, there's Delinson and his uh, sidekick, Carabas. That I forget anyone. Also, there's a colonel, and he does research, and he's going to research the G-Self, which is the Gundam. I think that's everything. Oh, they took uh, Ida pi- a captive because she's a pirate. Oh, also they killed I- I- Ida's idol, I guess. Ida's presidential candidate. Yeah. Captain Cahill. The only honest pil- uh, politician in Ameria. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now kill him, Nick is going to be president. No one wants that. We went so long before we got started last week. Did we burn it all? Is there anything well, else we want to talk about? The I, thing is, we a lot of what we talked about last week was like starting point stuff. And here we don't have that problem because we kind of pick up right where episode two left off. Yeah, in a weird way that episode two did not pick up where episode one left off. Yeah. Where will episode four begin? With a death, perhaps? <laughs> <laughs> we flash back to Kale's death. <laughs> Uh, all right, we're going to watch episode three of G-Reco, The Pressure of the Montero. I'm sorry, The Pressure of Montero. You can watch along on the DVDs. <laughs> like you're you're a technology ghost? Yes. <laughs> hey, I like my collection of Blu-rays. Thank you very fucking much. Because you're a technology ghost, <laughs> if yes. I've ever seen one. Hey, I've got a lot of stuff you can't stream anymore, so. Like this. this. <laughs> yep. Yeah, like this. Like the pressure of the Montero. Uh, Meanwhile, so, Hainer 26, that's the secret Hainer. So yeah, as said, we pick up right where we left off. The shield is still beat up as Bellary puts the G-Self on a boat. And he goes down on the lift wire and he looks like he's Not having a great time, yeah. <laughs> Naredo, again, love the animation on this. It's not like a Looney Tune animation. It's like a jump scare animations onto Bellary. <laughs> it's like, good job saving that woman last episode. 
and Manny's like, also our daughter. <laughs> she looks a little like Raya is like leaning, trying to like hug the G cell. <laughs> so it's Kefka's theme. So Sephiroth's theme. So Seymour's theme. Take your ch- <laughs> take your pick. They're all good. Starts playing, and the Colonel walks up. Is With like, his cane and everything. Yeah, exactly. The, the most Final Fantasy-ass accessory he could have. And he's like, Bellary, come to the research division tomorrow. Uh, meanwhile, they are properly securing Ida for the first time. <laughs> I do have, love this little bit where she's like, hey, this is a violation of international law. And Kampo, like that one Star Wars campaign, would get, came up and was like, hey, you're a pirate. That means it's not a violation of right, your rights, right? And then the guy who's securing Ida looks weirdly pleased about the fact that they are able to break international law because she's a pirate. <laughs> Look, she's wearing the sexy prisoner outfit, so. But one of the one of these random guys is like, hey, we found out that backpack was made by the American army. And the colonel's like, yes, but you couldn't get it to move, so now we're handling it. And the guy's like, but you're in charge anyway. How is this any different? <laughs> anyway, this is Captain Becker, and Delinson's like, hey, this is Lewin Lee. I was telling you about how he's competent and stuff. And he's like, I'm going to insult him to his face. And then he tries to punch Lewin, who dodges it and blocks it by dodging yeah, I, it. <laughs> I'm not sure what that is supposed to. I, he, he put his hands up in a boxing defense pose. So I think he was prepared to, for a follow up punch. I, I think that's what he was coming on. Anyway, the guy's like, well, you did a good job blocking and dodging simultaneously, so you're in. You don't have I mean, anyone else you... in your class who does that, right? And you see Bellary with the whip and Dunn's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we, uh, you know, you should just be grateful he didn't hit you back. I, I, it seems like martial punishment is normal in this setting. Anyway, we get some glory shots of the G-Self on a boat. And like the Disney Vatican thing as they're going over to it. We, we see Ida has fallen asleep in the arms of a mecha ostrich. Uh, which I did write down the name of. What is it? A shank. These are shanks. Yeah, these are shanks. <laughs> They're going to save Luffy. I, man, that, like, the, the shot of her sleeping in it is actually really funny to me. Everybody's asleep at Bellary, who's got the stamina of an awake boy. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's also probably still burning on adrenaline from the, uh, the fight. Shank you very much. So Bellary and Naredo leaves after Naredo once more chides him for being horny. <laughs> and then they w- run out of Disney Vatican. To, like... To the Disney Hotel. Yeah. <laughs> this mech here looks like a shadow hawk. I really like the design on the uh, wrecked snows. So, Bellary's like, anyway, you take the shank and go home, Naredo. But she follows him, jumping the gate into his private hotel. And no one cares. And runs into the Pope. Who is talking with Bell's mom. And he's like, ah, oh, Naredo Nug, I still know your name, and I hope the audience does by now as well. <laughs> Naredo is just following him around like a puppy. <laughs> the research division spies on taboo breakers in foreign countries. Why would they take the lady pirate? Thank you for that exposition dump, Naredo. Why does the research division <laughs> Why do is there spying? a hippo? I don't, I, I, that was the least okay. confusing thing about this scene Bell to Ray's me. mom is also a big game hunter. I'm pretty sure Bell Ray's dad is Craven the Hunter. That's <laughs> the only explanation for how their well, room is decorated. Tyler, the way this shot is framed, what are you supposed to focus on? The motherfucking hippo is center of frame. When I was searching for the eye catches for this to have the sound, there was a 10 second clip called the best shot of g and it's just his mom next to this hippo. It's not this shot, but it's just another one. So this is not the last we'll see of this hippo. Anyway, Belle's mom is like, hey, can you expose it about this girl who I've never met before? And he's like, oh yeah, she's a cheerleader. She knows the Pope. 
Anyway, could you use your directorial powers to get back the pirate lady? And Bell's mom is like, why? And Noreto is like, because Bell's in love. Yeah, this is super like sisterly or like this makes it feel like she is not personally interested in Bell at all, right? But a few of the other things that she's done make it seem like she is. She has conflicting desires. Why is she following him around? I don't like, I have no idea. This to me strikes more as a, she doesn't want to be left out after That's that fair. crazy thing that happened. That's how this strikes me, especially what, given what happens in the morning. Anyway, Harabi agrees. And his mom's like, oh, a Harabi. And she's like, yeah, I was going to give it to Bellary as a graduation gift, but... And and Bell almost says, like, I didn't really want it. Anyway, Bell's mom immediately moves on from, like, I don't give a crap about the Harabi. <laughs> anyway, how did Bell manage to pilot this thing? But apparently even the colonel would have to listen to Bell's mom? But Bell's mom is like, oh, your hand is injured. And I don't know if she's changing the subject or being a helicopter parent. When, when did his hand get hurt? Um... When he was Metal Gear Solid, when he ran into the wall, <laughs> uh, like, he took one d4 damage, and that took the form of a cut on his name. This is just a weird one because it's like your hand is bleeding. It what? I do actually wonder if this is her just trying to change the subject, but we don't well, know. But Bell, the thing is, like Bell acknowledges that yes, it was, and they never actually showed us that. Which, I mean, it's such a small thing, and it is kind of a uh, changing the subject. It was just weird because I'm like, did I miss a scene? Cut to, uh, do, you, do you guys know the name of the ship that they're on? Is I this the Megafauna? I I think I'm, not, that, I'm not sure if this is actually, I know that is their name of their ship. I'm not sure that this is actually the Megafauna. It looked like it from the front, but I am less sure now that we were seeing the top of it. But yeah, it's in Super Robot Wars X. Anyway, there's a new guy launching. And he crushes their toolbox while doing it. And it's like, ha ha, I This is a Montero, okay. We'll yep. never have my Montero defeated. Anyway, Howard from Gundam Wing is here. He's young. <laughs> <laughs> and this dude is like, I'm going to do it alone because I'm a badass because I have a name. The Capital Army are a bunch of amateurs. They won't expect a second attack right away. And also, I'm an early genius named Nil, I mean, Klim Nick. And also, I have a clear cockpit for some reason. And they're all looking up at space like a bunch of idiots. <laughs> so now is the perfect time to strike. We can get a report from the Inspector General after I rescue Miss Ida. Thanks for this cool javelin. You even painted it blue for me. Goodbye. I thought the javelin was the uh, the aerial support thing. So, so did I, but later when he throws it, he will be like, this is how you use a javelin. Oh, okay, fair. He does use a javelin later. Because I also had my notes had at one point, javelin is support craft, and then I had to write, no, javelin is javelin. <laughs> it took me a minute to realize the ja that the... Uh, I almost did it there. That this support craft is actually being driven by somebody. Yeah, it is weird. I kind of like it. We'll get more into it later in this episode, but I this episode kind of makes me want more like multi-pilot mobile suit situations. I mean, I guess we have Pacific Rim, but I really like the like driving by committee that happens when there are too many cooks in the <laughs> G-Self later. This episode does also address a few things that I didn't really want or need to be addressed. I know. It, the first watching, I missed it both times somehow. <laughs> so, like, it happened, I'm like, oh, he's got a toilet in his Montero? Okay, I guess that's useful. That's kind of weird. And then I'm like, oh, the ending is a poop joke? <laughs> Spoilers for the ending of this episode. It's a poop joke. Anyway, Kill Him Nick is like, ah, oh, the Capitol Tower. Until recently, it was taboo to even go near it. And I don't know if he means, like, just religious taboo or if his government was like, hey, for treaties and stuff, we're not going over there. But he's a space pirate now. As he's um putting on his 
flight suit now? Yeah, well, well, he. I assume he's adjusting it because he just went to the bathroom. I assume you have to take those off pretty heavy. No, but the thing is, we saw him not wearing it when he left. That's true. And he was like, but Captain Cahill infiltrated because he had a crush on Ida. Ah, oh, and he's so much older than her. Ugh, adults. <laughs> I only indulge in that at my age because I'm an appropriate age for that. Cut to Belle at home and uh, nobody here Hippo. sleeps in beds. Except Belle, maybe. We don't see where he slept. I assumed on the, the other couch because, so his mom's asleep in like her recliner chair behind her desk. Which Belle- I assume is just storytelling that she was up all night. Nareto. And uh, Nareto is sleeping on the couch. Which makes sense because she does not live here. They uh, they apparently had dinner last night. Bellary tries to sneak out to go to the library, but the Harobi follows him and Nareto wakes up as he's going out and rushes after him. Nareto has a bell sense. Anyway, she hops on the back of the shank and Bell's like, really? How did you follow me? You were asleep. Okay, so here's where we actually got that line about yeah. how the pirate... Oh, Ida is older than Belry. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I love how everybody is like uh, Goldilocksing Ida. <laughs> Killam is like Cahill is too old, and Naredo is like Belry, you're too young. And Killam's like, but I am just right. <laughs> <laughs> and Belry's like, it's not about that. The Colonel told me to come, and she's like, hey, when that woman grabbed you by the lapels and started philosophizing at her, you agreed with her, didn't you? You also think murder is bad because you're in love. <laughs> Anyway, this causes him to drive bad. And accidentally jump his chicken or something? I'm not entirely sure. Is that a euphemism? (laughs) (laughs) Vaulting the cock, if you will. (laughs) We get a lot of establishing shots of the Montero on its way in, and I actually kind of like that. It's more world building, right? There's a bunch of rural places around here. Apparently there's a jungle next door. (laughs) (laughs) Complete with alligators. Yeah, I just like the, the effect as like Bella's going into the town and we also see that Clem Nick is also on his way in. So there's that synchronicity. Yeah, it's like they knew what they were doing for a second. And the fact that they like to fast cut everything actually makes sense in those places because you're, sub- you're uh, contrasting them against each other. Anyway, we do get a subtle thing where we see Ida and Bellary both have similar necklaces. I don't know if those were provided or if that's meaningful. As we cut to Ida, who is watching Raraya in CCTV, having a bad reaction to regular prison. <laughs> and then the nurse is like, right, you can't be having a freak out in here. And the colonel's like, yeah, I guess she just freaks out sometimes. That's why we gave her to some cheerleaders in hopes to reduce freakouts. Anyway, you claim why to be- Why is a... Ida wearing this, like, body stocking? I'm again into it. <laughs> I didn't say I wasn't. I wondered why it was here. Because she just got back from dance class. She's got one of those- da- He's got one of those dance studios, like the villain from Never Say Never Again. And he's like, so, you claim to be a pirate, but we have evidence you're actually from the Armarian army. Also, your space backpack had a whole bunch of Armarian producer's plates, and a pirate couldn't possibly have stolen that as an alibi. Or, you know- bought it anyway guards like hey bellary's here and colonel's like i did ask him to come here let him through the colonel's also not wearing his cloak because he's indoors he's a civilized gentleman anyway cut to a toilet inside of the montero being used and a clem nick requests a lower altitude and then almost dives into the trees (laughs) that part legitimately made me laugh and it did it again here because like he's such a you know he's he's a cocky asshole asshole, and the guy's It'll be shaky. He's like, no, it's fine. And then they like run into a tree and he like freaks out as he's trying to take a drink of water. Yeah, he makes the rookie move of trying to drink the water while they're doing the breaks. Man, why do they let this random cheerleader into all these government facilities? Because I'd- she's with Bellry. And apparently she's on like a, a relatively close like name basis with the Pope. 
No, that's fair. Yeah, is she the Pope's secret daughter? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, Naredo Nug. Um, I didn't say legitimate daughter. Yes. So Bellary's like, so what's up with the, uh, that modal suit? Has she said anything about it? And he's like, well, I haven't tortured her yet, but same story so far. And Naredo's like, I, the tattletale police, have to warn you that Bellary is in love with her. And the <laughs> colonel's like, so, love at first sight? And the Harabi is like, indeed. <laughs> And Bellary's like, no, I want like <laughs> to talk seriously. And then Ida dances in, in her body stocking, which if he wasn't Dreamweavered before. <laughs> and he, she's like, the colonel is a gentleman. He gave me this very appropriate body stocking. <laughs> He's like, well, I asked her why you could operate the thing. And uh... before I could tell you what she said, Raya Monday tantrumed in here. And jumped on Bell and Naredo. This causes a break. To a break in the meeting. It's halftime at the meeting. <laughs> and we cut to Belle's mom, who's being called to say that, hey, we're being threatened with another attack, but the Pope is busy praying. Like a politician. <laughs> at least this time, we do see his demands and him addressing them. Yeah, he he wants Ida and a mobile suit, and we get a Looney Tunes shot of a leopard. Falling on a snake. Imagine a leopard falling on a snake in Looney Tunes. You got it. No, I... It looked really like a Dragon Ball gag to me. Oh, you know what? No, I didn't see right. that, but yeah. I, the only reason I was thinking of Looney, of Looney Tunes is because uh, I believe you called it Looney... Someone called it Looney Tunes before, but yet yeah, Dragon Ball is more accurate. I like the alligator running into the water because, oh God, loud. Yeah, it's well, it's just every episode, it's more a D&D campaign, right? We've got the swamp right outside the starting <laughs> city. <laughs> so what you're saying is that Bell and Party's first quest when they actually get to like the full-fledged start of their campaign will be to go kill rats. Oh, uh, I mean, I think alligators, but yeah. So Kill him, Nick is like, all right, you know where the rendezvous point is, right, guy who's driving me? I'm going to go do a thing, because I'm cool. And then we get an eye catch. This one's Ida. Hey, hi, hello. Welcome to episode three of Gundam Wrecking Geese and G. It's a show where Klim Nick is the main character, and it should stay that way. Hi, everyone. I'm Tyler. Thanks for listening. And happy middle of summer, I guess. It's really hot out. I just walked down to a hardware store to get some potting soil. That's my life these days. Anyway, thank you all for listening. And uh, hey, it's plug time. Over on our Patreon.com slash last podcast, if you don't like the sound of my voice... That's weird because you're listening to a podcast that I do. But if you don't like just me and would like to skip these mid-spots, uh, all the episodes that go up on Patreon early don't have my voice in the middle of them like this. Uh, that may or may not be a selling point. I assume it is. Um, <laughs> not a whole lot new going on, but as always, uh, feel free to drop into our Discord. It's linked on our website, www.lastpodcast.com. And uh, let us know what you think, just in general, or come hang out with some cool nerds. If you have ideas for, like, new episodes and stuff, please let us know, um, because we like making stuff that people like listening to. Um, and Reckon Gisa is sure a weird show, although we definitely start talking a lot more about its themes and, and get more in-depth with its content, um, especially as we go on and it, like reveals more of itself to us. Um, it turns out it doesn't do so in nearly a lucid manner, but it's still fun to pick apart. Uh, that's my rambling. Back to a nebulous kidnapping. And then we get breakfast. Yeah, I told you, halftime at the meeting. I guess it's actually tea. Anyway, they drugged Raraya. 
<laughs> and in the background, Ida and Bellary are continuing their philosophical conversation from the night before, and Bellary has had time to sleep on it and is not being blindsided. So he has more an ar- of an argument about how it was self-defense and they were doing a whole bunch of damage and would have killed her. And she is also in less emotional and raw space. She's no longer begging him to resurrect him with his <laughs> cleric powers. I mean, clearly, even if Bellary was a cleric, he's only like a second or third level character. And she's like, he all he wanted was to end the Capital Tower's monopolization of Earth's energy. Hey, this is a similar story to... Uh, double O. Yeah, double O. Yep. And Bellary's like, we manage the distribution of batteries to prevent the universal century from happening again. Because history has taught us is... is if we have unlimited power, people are just going to drop colonies and buy asteroids with Nazi gold to try and <laughs> drop them on the Earth. And it's just a mess. You want shars? That's how we get shars. <laughs> yeah, you, you see how we are distinctly, la- we, we lack shars here? That's a good thing. Oh, no, there's a guy in the end credits who is wearing a mask. Oh, don't, don't worry, worry about him. We'll get to him. <laughs> and Ida's like, hey, if we just use energy and technology ethically... And Bellary's like, because and Bellary's like, humans are dumb. <laughs> yeah, again, Bellary, you're right. Again, have you seen Char's counterattack? Because uh, technology nearly killed us all. It was only space bullshit magic that stopped an asteroid from falling to Earth, and we can't rely on that. It's not reproducible. <laughs> I hate to break it to you, Ida. If you put a tool out there, someone is going to find a way to use it unethically. It's just how it works. And she's like, yeah, but Captain Cahill and the colonel is like, a man who could have become God, perhaps? And I just like, well, you're, you're <laughs> kind of jumping to 11 there, buddy. <laughs> That's taking it too far. I was going to say could run the uh, could run my country. And the colonel's like, yeah, I guess you, you have a point about the ethics, though. And I wanted to talk with you both about that. I think it would be interesting and probably let us reveal a lot about the setting. And also, maybe we could figure out why you can both uh, pilot the G-cell. And oh, wait, no, sorry, there's a siren. It's time to cut to an action scene. Uh, although I should tell you that Rariah can also pilot the G-Self, or at least could crash it. <laughs> oh, n- and now a siren. N- now it's time for action. Everybody to your action pa- spots. Everybody roll initiative. I do like that as uh, they're running out, Ida actually spares a second glance at Rariah, and she's like, what? This person can too? What the hell? Uh, I- can every- is it- is it just the people in Ameria? I'm the only one who can drive it? Can everyone drive it? <laughs> This is the scene that really sunk in how we don't have any time to think in this series. Because I find the philosophical debate super interesting, and also the colonel like being reasonable with them to be super interesting. But there's no time to sit on it at all before 1D, uh, 1D1 kill him Nick's attack. <laughs> I do love all the wired phones and how they can get around Minovsky particles and this butler like carrying it to follow the guy. And the fact that it is a rotary phone. Yeah, well, again, wired. You need to go all the way to old technology, Zach. The Minovsky particles would have blocked the like radio between the phone and the receiver. And the colonel is like, yeah, go get the mobile suit. Bellary, As he's talking the, on the phone. He take, just... take the prisoner and Roriah and I guess Naredo with you. This is maybe the weirdest scene. Like they go get in the elevator to do serious battle times. And then the Harubi just does a gag with it. And like it goes on just a little too long because the character's like, why is this in the scene? <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, the colonel said that we could reach the cockpit from the third floor. And Bellary's like, he's clearly testing us. Because he's a member of the research division. That's what he does. And then Mariah's like, that doesn't make any goddamn sense. And all I can do is laugh at how silly this is. <laughs> As she's like playing with the Parobi. Cut to a picture Uncle of Uncle Kaseth who wants you for the army that we're making now. <laughs> I do love the fact that it's wearing a top hat. It's really good. Uh, but then they tear through it with 
No, it, this is this is Captain Delinson and Curbs. Who are like looking for spare mobile suits because the army's so disorganized and they just have them holding up banners. And Curbs is like, man, at least the Capitol Guard like has organization. Why didn't we just like make a sub-faction of the Capitol Guard? They're like, we need to sell the new models as a new faction. And apparently the uh, the Capitol Army has been sleeping on cots in here. F-rug. I assume those are their support platforms. Probably just the just the idea of something being called an F rug. Yeah, it's a flying rug. Yeah, it's a flight some... rug. It's like a magic carpet. <laughs> exactly. It's a magic carpet with a bad translation. Well, as long <laughs> as you make sure that you don't get that confused with something else, you're probably going to be okay. Uh, this show is dirty. Stop being so horny. Anyway, there's show. Uh, we cut to more gravity to leave problems. Behind. She tries to leave all of them behind, but Naredo jumps and Bell helps catch her. And there is a pretty good delayed joke of Bellry just keeping his hand on Naredo's ass. And because he caught her, she lets it slide a moment before she realizes. I don't think he realized either, no. honestly. No, I no. don't think he did. It was a matter of he was trying to support her and keep her up. And he just doesn't, he doesn't seem to think about her like that. So we now reveal they're in the cock- the uh, hangar from Evangelion, and uh, Kampa is going full Gendo Ikari. He <laughs> was like, excellent, my Gendo Ikari window is finally paying off <laughs> as he judges them from on high. Get in the mobile suit, Bellary, or else Raraya will have to pilot it again. And Ida's like, no, I'll pilot it. And she's, he's like, mm, yes, too many childrens and not enough Evangelions. <laughs> this part had me super confused. Like, why are they letting Ida do this? Um, well, as we, as we find out later, I think it's part of a secret plot with the Pope to, like, test the pirates to see if they're part of the Armeria faction. Yeah, I also was like, what is going on here, Zach? I can only assume it's some Gendo Akari bullshit. I think it's but... some Gendo Akari bullshit, I mean, yeah. I had to assume it was 4D chess. It's just not telegraphed super well. It's just like, yes, I talked to you for all of 20 minutes and had dinner with you, and now you are perfectly free to pilot or the mobile suit we got from you. Huh? There's a scene a little bit later on where they're like, it's implied that they're talking about the Pope and the Pope's decision to let them all take it to see what will happen. It's like a 30 second shot later in this episode. They're moth targeting it. Yeah. It's either that or just this is a super vibes based show and the vibes is that they're all going to go in the mobile suit now. Speaking of Eva, the Montero's head looks very Eva. So Kellum Nix is like, ah, they're smarter than I thought. Even without radar, they figured out where I am, and they've made the rectins into wrecked snows, which are kind of military-y. I'm still going to wreck them, though. Gotta make sure you stay hydrated well, as well. So the alternative way you could read that is a rex now, as in they are rex now. I mean, he does say how frightening people are who've never fought in wars before, and that just made me think of uh, some of those uh, mid-war designs people came up with, because it's like, anything is viable until proven otherwise. <laughs> So anyway, he uh, readies his javelin and picks up his beam saber and goes out to meet the Rex Snows as they dock. The Rex Snows have a very Dom vibe that I'm into. Cut back to a bunch of Evangelion pilots all trying to get in the mech at once to see who it sinks with. And also Naredo's there. And uh, Ida's like, yeah, I could probably kill Nick. He's an asshole who wants to use me and he stares at me even more than Bellry. <laughs> For some strange reason. Anyway, Bellary, check the face. Is it all lit up like a Gundam? I think it's Ida yells, don't blame me if something goes wrong. Yeah, because it's definitely not a cockpit bit for four. But there, <laughs> it is rather roomy for a Gundam cockpit. But it doesn't have the girlfriend seat like the new <laughs> Gundam had. It seems to have the behind-the-seat space that the Gundam seed mechs had. True. Also, uh, Delinson is on a Kaith Sith and <laughs> gets on one of the F-Rugs with Curbs flying it. Curbs isn't flying it. He's, like, in the 
he's, communications or like gunner seat because there's a he's facing backwards. He's in the Hoth snowspeeder tow cable position. Correct. That's a better way to put it because the <laughs> cockpit even looks like it. Anyway, the wrecked snows dom out. I'm kind of into it. This is maybe the worst animation though we've gotten yet of Killam Nicked wrecking these guys. Although I do like, so they try to go into the jungle and they're like, ah, oh, bamboo. How do we get through that? And then he just destroys all of their legs. No rear firing arc weapons on those. Sneak attack. <laughs> uh, but one of them tries I to love- get a shot off anyway, and then he beam rifles their also a beam rifle. I kind of enjoy the fact that one of them that he took the legs off of, it just like sits down. I might give up. Might give up. <laughs> Apparently, Ida accidentally brained some guy with one of the, uh, like, arms on the g Yeah, I think she, like, bumped him with the shield. I'm like, you're gonna kill- why are people just milling around the hangar? Because, well, they're surprised it's moving at all, so I guess the colonel didn't warn them, hey, I sent some teenagers to faff about in the Gundam. And there's no, like, alert that a Gundam is on the move, because it's like a research hangar instead. I do love this exchange, though, where Bellary is like, no, they'll un- misunderstand your intentions, Miss Ida, and she's like- What's to misunderstand? I'm requisitioning my mobile suit and going back to join my unit. That's what they're going to misunderstand. And Naredo is really chill about this. And she's like, <laughs> I-, I guess I'm being kidnapped today. That <laughs> Naredo is remarkably okay with this. School's pretty boring anyway. All they teach me is cheerleading and I'm already very good at it. <laughs> Bellary is also rather chill with this. I assume Bellary is just not letting her out of his sight. Bellary's weirdly being the most responsible one, right? Well, and now Naredo is like, hey, you, no, stop. It does seem like they could overpower her. Uh, but then she starts moving and it almost causes Bell to fall out of the hangar or out of the cockpit. Oh, so anyway, the colonel calls Bell's mom and it's like, hey, four people are in the mobile suit that's leaving. There's the pirate and that Naredo nug girl the Pope keeps talking about and Raraya Monday and a fourth mystery person I'll tell you about <laughs> later. <laughs> It's not but really you, relevant at the moment. Who do you think it is? Vote now on your phone. Oh, wait, it's Rotary. He's so, he's so chill. The G-Self is in the process of being stolen. But, well, But he does say, like, what is his holiness's will, implying that the Pope is, like, playing some political mind games with that, someone. That animation of Bellary falling out of the cockpit and swinging back around to get back in is really well done. But it reinforces how dumb this is. <laughs> I, again, gravity just being a slight menace. Constant theme in this, and I'm here for it. Well, that's because gravity is, in reality, a very slight menace <laughs> that we all have to be aware of in our everyday lives. Anyway, Kill Nick is blowing up some Kate Siths, and Ida's like, ah, oh, it's a Montero with a javelin, but I'm not going to let him fight at the Capitol Tower, because I'm still against that being blown up. I like the dramatic shot of the Gundam looking up right before it takes off. Anyway, he beam whips a Kate Sith swing off, and is like, ah, this is, they call this an army? They're just a bunch of losers in slightly cooler mobile suits. I'm a genius. Uh, sadly, we do not cut to him immediately going, oh no. I don't know who edited that or why, but I was really hoping for it, and it's not actually what happens. That is a separate thing. <laughs> when you told me that it was uh, in this series, I was hoping we'd get that too. But yeah, he says, I am a genius, and then it's a, a little while later. But now he has to face a named character, as Delinson is a, a, two named characters, in fact, because Curbs is also here. And they get the high ground on him. In the sky. We get Be- ver- a very dramatic Bellary uh, back backseating. <laughs> Bellary in the Twitch chat telling Ida what to do. <laughs> yeah, Bellary backseating from in front of Ida. And then he accidentally presses the glow button, so the G-Self starts glowing like this be Zeta Gundam or something. Back to Kill him, Nick, showing him how to use a javelin like a javelin. 
<laughs> I like how it has like a rocket pack on it. Yeah, it clips a wing on the F rug, and he's like, oh no! <laughs> Shimata! Well, because the Delinson jumps off of it and starts shooting at him. And also takes down all its missiles. So the G-Self goes to save the F-Rug because Curbs is in it and Ida has is like, hey, we have fire extinguishers in our fingers. Which again, to me, reinforces the idea that Ida doesn't want to kill anyone. And that's probably why she was so timid in, in the, the fight. Yeah, in the, her initial fight. Why does this have fire extinguishers in its fingers? For this situation. <laughs> I like how like Curbs is like, oh man, it's Bellary. Good for that. And then he looks over and goes, the fuck is that? As Bellary is basically hanging out the front of this thing. And he's thing. like, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not flying. Uh, which somehow Curbs hears. And he's like, but who is? No, I, don't, I, I think Bellary yells, I'm not the pilot. But it's not so much that Curbs hears him. So much as that he sees Bellary literally standing there. So it's like, who's driving it then? If it's not Bellary. But they manage to convince him to put down the landing gears. And they basically use the shield of the G-Self to cause the F-Rug to land, crash land in the jungle more or less successfully. So they can Tony Hawk that shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally what they do. And Curbs is like, he's insane. <laughs> now, if only they could close the damn cockpit. Back to Killam Nix and Delinson. Delinson is still above him and thus has the advantage and gets a shot through one of his arms. There's I'm a some, genius. There's some more of the cool airbag stuff from this series. But unfortunately, Delinson falls below him and no longer has the high ground. Well, but he also doesn't have a flight pack, so he can't ch- He's just literally just falling. Falling with style. Very much style. But the G-Self comes in to f- the shield for him. And Delinson's like, is that uh, you, Bellary? And Kilmnick's like, oh, the princess, I have to get my simping clothes on. <laughs> and Ida starts hand signaling at him to be like, yeah, we're friends. And Kilmnick is like, excellent. But then there are more Kaysiths, and so Killam Nick tries to take them down, but Ida stops him. And she's like, they, they fucking suck. They're not going to hit us. Don't worry Let's about it. get out of here and go back to the megafauna. And Noreno Nuk, who apparently has just figured out the plot, is like, what do you mean go back? <laughs> and she's like, I clearly explained this already. <laughs> I am kidnapping you all. <laughs> well, she's going back. They're just following her because like, she didn't go out of her way to kidnap anybody. Cut back to the colonel. Who's like, ah, oh, yes, the enemy has retreated. And all right, anyway, that fourth person, that was your son. Lol. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to cut the supply of photon batteries to Ameria. As a punishment for their actions. And he's like, okay, she's Sounds the operations reasonable. director. What exactly that all entails? I'm she directs operations. Sure. Yes, anyway, you told me it was the prisoner and Raya Monday and Naredo Nug and my son, Nani. <laughs> Cut back to the fourth sum, and Ida's like, hey, you didn't hurt the tower, right? Nick's like, of course. We're going to turn it into our space base, after all. And Ida's like, oh my god, this guy. He's the president's son, and he's a mobile suit otaku, and he has a crush on me, and I just, I would not deal with him, except for he is as good as he says he is, and that makes it so much worse to deal with him. <laughs> yes, although I, I didn't think he was the president's son. That's but She just said that. Oh, I must have missed that. Sorry. But anyway, their equivalent of the F-Rug pops out of the jungle and they both latch onto it. Well, the uh, the Montero is riding on top and the, and the uh, G-Self is flying. It's like hanging onto a handle underneath it. So apparently they told Nick about everyone who can pilot the Ava because he's having a discussion about it as they all get out of the way so Bellary can use the bathroom. <laughs> yes. That's the only possible interpretation. <laughs> and also apparently the G-Self plays weird music whenever someone uses the toilet. <laughs> And that's the end of the episode, the <laughs> a poop joke. 
I didn't understand that it was supposed to be a poop joke. I, 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 I don't think either. I needed to know that that existed aboard. I could have done without that one. And I'm the guy who wants to know all of the stuff. They're intended for long haul space flights, apparently. Uh, yeah, we want to get through this ending since uh, we keep promising. Yeah. I love the song. It's got like this very like cutouts over backgrounds look, which I think is intentional, but it makes a lot of the mobile suits look really flat in it. Does make the characters look incredibly excited, though, which is very inappropriate after some episodes. <laughs> yes, it very much is. Um, like they are super happy that it's over, which is weird for a Gundam series. Usually, the ending is like, "Man, shit done got fucked up," right? I mean, I feel like there's a mix, right? Like the Gundam Seed ones are like a mix of that, of like, "Ah, oh, we're all happy," but clearly the background is a graveyard. <laughs> Well, it's more of what I meant. Like, usually there's that kind of thing. There isn't any of that here. So, no. one, one of mine um, is Belry is, like, skydiving in one of these, and there's a bunch of cherubs in the background, and I don't understand that. I love the close-ups of the Gundam's hands as the song is telling us to G-R-A-S-P, success, and I don't remember <laughs> what else. And also, we have conga lines. Like, all yeah. the boys get a conga line, and then all the girls get a conga line. There's a shot of Captain Delinson, Belry, and Captain Cahill. So is Delinson like about to die? <laughs> <laughs> I do also like that not everyone is as good at conga lines as ever. Like, there are obviously varying levels of ability of conga. <laughs> so I love the vibe of it. I think it fits really well. It goes with some episodes, I think, like this one, better than it would others. Like, at the end of episode two, bring Cahill back. No, Gunky Dama, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, one had me a little bit more confused than episode two, if I'm honest. It's more just of like, what is the colonel doing? What what's what's the play here? Um, I think the play is to plant his top student as a spy. Uh, but his top student is uh, Lewin Lee, who's not here. I thought Belry was the top student. I thought Lewin was second in the cl- in the class. No, I think they say Lewin is the top. Belry okay. just skipped a bunch of grades. Gotcha. Yeah, I think that was the case. Well, he's sending his most uh his. Genkiest? Yeah, his genkiest his protagonistiest. <laughs> I mean, he is also the only one that can drive the G-Cell, so it's like, I might as well leave you with that thing so you can steal it back for me again later. Uh, Naredo showed up, he's like, ah, oh, excellent. My vibes that you were the protagonist turned out to be correct. <laughs> I knew I thought I saw PC above your heads. Do you have a high point, Tyler? Man, what is my high point in this episode? I don't know, like, a lot happens. I know some of the fight animation with the Montero is pretty good. I'm not sure that that's actually my high point. Come back to me. I I, I have a couple contenders. Zach, I think mine is going to be Ida and Bellry's conversation about the like what happened in the previous episode. About global politics and the philosophy of is it murder in a war? Was yes. that a war? Was it a terrorism? Yeah, that basically that because as you said, it's kind of tailing off of episode two where both of them had have, have had time to think about it. Yeah, I really like that too, but since you took it, I'll go with the jump sequence where Nareda has to jump onto the thing and <laughs> Bellry catches her and Ida's trying to leave without them. Like Again, gravity is just a light menace, I hope is something that will be consistent throughout <laughs> of whenever we're like, eh, it's a little boring, May- have someone almost fall off the thing. <laughs> I think mine is actually going to be the joke with Clem Nick being, or with the altitude thing. Where he's like trying to tr- take a drink of water and then accidentally almost like dives into trees. That was a pretty good gag. Do you have a low point, Tyler? Man, what is my low point in this episode? I weird like the the opposite problem. I actually don't have a lot of contenders for low point, mostly because like most of the low points are just like connecting scenes, so they're not that like actually bad at all. I guess it's going to be for us not knowing what the hell the 4D chess game being played is. 
I'm expecting that will be explained later, so. Here's hoping. Zach? So, I've been thinking a little bit about this, and I think mine is probably going to be, we have episode two, Redux, and it works this time. Like, this is basically the same thing that happened in episode two, but we're doing it again, and now it works. Because Ida's in a different position. Because what I like about it is that Ida's the pilot this time, and I like the idea of Gundam series where the Gundam is piloted by different people, and that has meaning. And it does here, but I do see what you're saying about it being essentially the same conflict. Yeah, well, that's the, that's more of the problem. Like, I like the fact that Ida's the Ida's the pilot now, but now it where a group of people didn't succeed. Now one dude does, and because he's just that much better, and he has a sneak attack advantage. Well, and they so like it's it's just one of those things where it bothers me that we just redid it again instead of it being something like okay, this time around we sent in like commandos. Never be a dungeon master because all the PCs do is the same thing again, no matter what you throw at them. <laughs> I think a little bit of the problem, too, is like we killed Captain Cahill in episode two and like that has some weight for Ida, but it doesn't have much weight for the audience yet outside of the moral quandary that it causes. Because we don't know about this great guy that Cahill is. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm wondering if that like what significance does that have? And like, could that have happened later? I mean, he's kind of like rusty, right? Like, Rusty dies in episode one, but we never actually even see Rusty's face. Like, he is literally just a background character. He's just a name. <laughs> well, he's a name in a red uniform, and that's it. And I love and the idea that Rusty fine. survived, and Atherin just thought that was him, and <laughs> he got back, and he's like, oh, no, I just was abandoned on that. <laughs> no, he did die, but only because he was abandoned there and got sucked out in the atmosphere. No, he, he, he gets sucked in, but he's got the full... Flight suit. Oh, uh, so can Rusty take, be the villain of the movie fly. we're maybe getting? It's like if Rusty's counterattack. all the way back on, a, <laughs> on his jetpack to one of, the, one of the plants. Yeah, and he's just living a civilian deserter. Uh, he shows up in a mobile suit for the first time, like halfway through the movie, and he's like, "I'm here to fight you. Sorry if it's or if it takes a little while, but I'm, I'm, I'm a little rusty." Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'm here for revenge for you abandoning me. Like we've been to your grave so many times. I will go with that cut in the middle of a siren because there's no time to breathe on what I agree with you, Zach, is the best scene in the episode. That's by far the most interesting stuff. We get character interaction between the two. We get some explanation of what's going on in the background. We get philosophical talk between this two. But no time to linger on that or have flashbacks or have characters develop because we have to do the same action scene we did last episode. Now starring Kill Him Nick. <laughs> yeah, it's... It- it is one of those things where you're definitely right on there, and it f- kind of has that feeling of the DM realized his PC or thought his PCs were getting bored, so he blew something up. But it's not quite that same vibe because throughout the entire time we did see him coming in, so it's not like literally out of left field. So this is very Monster of the Week in the same way that Mobile Suit Gundam is in a lot of ways. Only it's you know mechanic of the week instead of monster. I know Turn A Gundam is like that in a lot of ways, too, but I never made it all the way through. Does Turn A Gundam have similar problems with the plot just coming to a screeching halt because now it's time for the action sequence? I don't believe so. I feel like in a lot of places, the the places that I can remember, in a lot of cases, it's more a matter of the action sequence came to a screeching halt because plot wanted to happen. Um, Which tends to be my preference. (laughs) Because it really does have more of that, you know, Lauren Sayak doesn't want to fight, so keeps trying to call people and be like, no, stop fighting. Kind of like the cure thing. But it has also been a while since I watched Turn A Gundam. 
So I could be forgetting some of those. But it didn't stand out to you, right? The way I think it really stands out here and in the last episode as well. Yeah. And I think that's going to be, I don't expect they're ever going to really address it, just knowing what I know vaguely about this show. But like, there is almost actually a pretty interesting show under this, but they don't give us time to consider it. (laughs) And that's really frustrating. Yeah. Again, we wanted to come to more traditional Gundam because while Build Fighters had a lot going for it, it didn't have like philosophical meaty subjects for us to chew on. But I think, ironically, maybe it's stuff about competition will end up having been more to chew on than we actually get. (laughs) Not because this has nothing to chew on, but because it keeps yanking us away before we can get a good bite. Build Fighters did also have that uh, little thing right at the beginning where, you know, like, because it's a game, people can take it so much more seriously. Even that gives you more time to think about it than here where it's like, philosophical argument and a siren. Do you have an MVP, Tyler? It might be Clem Nick just for his really good comedic moments. Also, he actually did stuff this episode. I get like runner up is Billy, I guess. But no, I think I'm gonna give it to Clem Nick. Zach, hmm, this one's actually kind of. I kind of want to give it to Ida. What does she do this episode though? Stole the Gundam. Yeah, but she everyone still, else is in it. The, yeah, she she defected with three. She forcibly de- defected three other people. Yeah, she, she has, like, doubled the size of their mobile suit core. This Gundam is not a democracy. But I'm not actually sure if that's the case. It's kind of a weird thing, because Bellary also doesn't really do anything. I said runner-up is Bellary, but I do think I would give it to Ida more than Bellary. But I still think Klimnik. No, I think I am going to give it to Ida, in part because she is a little bit more active than Bellary is in this episode, but they also go into their uh, their discussion. That is true, and that, that was actually a pretty interesting part of the episode. I am also going to go with Ida. She philosophizes at Bellray. She steals a Gundam. Uh, she's in a body stocking. What more could you want? <laughs> Do we want to add anything to our mobile suit list? I think we could add the K-Sith, but I kind of feel like everything has potential to show us more at this point. I think you might be right. And we already added the Rectin, right? We, yeah, did. we did. Yeah. I think I would argue the Rect Snow should be different, but I would also want to see more of it before adding it. Yeah. yeah that's where I'm kind of torn because we've seen the we've seen the K-Sith out a couple of times, but we haven't really seen it do much. The Grimoire hasn't really done a lot beyond be kind of a speed bump. And I assume the Montero is going to be his mobile suit for a while. Yeah, so I, I would assume that we're going to get more out of that. So maybe hold off another week or so and we'll see. Like, I'm always willing to put the G-Self on the list. Like, I don't know that it's going to do a whole lot more that we haven't already seen. I Just... mean, it has lots of glowy stuff though, right? yeah. And I like spoilers, it gets a different backpack with a different deal. And I feel like you guys will say, oh, that's not a different mobile suit. No, I would rate it. I would, from what I remember of it from at least the game, I would call it the strikes packs. So rate it differently based on those. Gotcha. What does this pack do? Just allow it to fly? I'm pretty sure, yeah. Okay. I think it uses this one for most of the series, though, and then gets another one later. I think it's more of a, like, obviously softer than Strike to Freedom, but more that vibe. Well, I think, I think it has to because i think we've seen it use a different one i think this is like an atmosphere pack yeah i I, I think ida had a different one on it in episode one you might be right how did they repair the shield uh they did get a new one didn't they different shield they just threw a case of seal on it and sprayed (laughs) it it blew real quick it's been repaired since they took it out the second time so yeah it was damaged at the start of the episode but maybe it had to (laughs) maybe they just got out a bunch of hammers and beat the dents out yeah, I'm like, they can't have manufactured a new one, right? So, Anything else we want to say about this episode? 
I mean, it's a little bit like, because we can't see the 4D chess. We can't see the wires pulling all the strings. Wow, that was a statement. Um, but <laughs> Strings like, and wires and chains. I'm kind of looking forward to the next one. Because I want to see where this is going. Me too. I'm, I'm like I'm tentatively optimistic about where the series is going. Even like I said, it's got real unicorn vibes of oh, I'm gonna go to the other side and they're gonna have a lot of valid points, but I'm still gonna end up siding with my team, but like with a better conception of the world and understanding what they want and why my side isn't perfect. And we'll see if it's that or if it's just oh no, I've been in a religious cult my entire life. There they <laughs> distracted me with cheerleaders. <laughs> <laughs> the best kind of distraction up there. All right. We will be back next week with episode four of Reconquista NG, Wild Dance of the K-Sith. Even if you don't want to listen, listen. Listen.